You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, last week, um, I went to the winter orchestra concert uh, at Gariski uh, Middle School. My, my youngest daughter plays violin in the beginning orchestra. And it was, let me tell you, it was a festive event. It was filled with all kinds of holiday music, uh, winter music. Uh, but then right before the chamber orchestra played, the chamber orchestra is the, is the top, the highest orchestra. Uh, the director paused and she addressed the audience and she had some heavy news uh, for us. And she let us know that uh, a few weeks ago, uh, one of her students, an eighth grade boy, uh, had suddenly passed away uh, of natural causes. And they missed him very much. Uh, he was the first chair cellist. And so they decided that they were going to dedicate this concert to him. And they were going to dedicate all the concerts uh, this year to him. And they were going to leave his chair open uh, in every concert this year. When they started playing their first piece, I was overwhelmed with emotion because the music was so beautiful and joyous. I mean, it was a holiday concert, but I kept looking at that chair and I was so sad. I, I, ne- I didn't even know that boy, but I was so sad. I was trying to think about what his parents are going through right now in this season. And the orchestra played four different pieces of music. And I rejoiced at the beauty of the music. These kids are so talented. It was heavenly. It was sublime. But I kept glancing at that chair. And I kept feeling deep sadness. And so there we were. Sadness and joy were filling the room. Like they both existed together. They, they were, they were ex- sadness and joy side by side in the same moment. Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, right? With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the happiest. Happiest season of all. Happiness is just assumed this time of year, isn't it? Like we say Merry Christmas to one another. We say Happy Holidays. We just assume happiness. Problem is, sometimes this time of year is not so happy for people. Sometimes it's a really sad time of year. The sentimentality of American American Christmas... Sometimes just amplifies the sadness, doesn't it? It doesn't take away the heartache. It it turns up the volume on the heartache. The bells, the the presents, the sappy music, the eggnog, the parties. They just kind of make us more aware of the ache in our soul. Sentimentality can never cure sadness. We know that, right? Like we need a savior to take away sadness Which is one of the reasons that Christmas is such good news. I'm not talking about the sentimental Christmas of Bing Crosby and sleigh rides. The raw, rugged Christmas of the Bible that promises a Savior who comes to deal with our sadness. 
as a church, we've looked at, uh, during the week of Advent, we've looked at those three verses in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. These verses herald or announce the coming of the Messiah 700 years before Jesus is born. They are the mission statement of the Messiah. They are what he would come to do. I want you to hear them again. They're so brief. Let me just read them to you again. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And that's where we get our term Messiah. Messiah just means anointed one. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison door to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Uh, Today, we're just going to look very briefly at the last part of those verses where it says the the Messiah would come to comfort those who mourn. What that means is, is that Jesus came to deal with our sadness, which is good news, isn't it? The first thing that we see here in in these verses is that the Messiah steps into our sadness. Jesus steps into our sadness. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't shy away from pain. He doesn't shy away from sadness. He steps into the sadness. He comes toward it. In verse 2, it says the Messiah would comfort all who mourn. That word comfort just means to console. But there's this underlying uh, meaning in that word that has to do with sighing or groaning. It's almost like the comforter comes alongside a sad person But the comforter feels sad too, in a way that you can hear it. Because they're like, they feel the sadness. They step into it. They take the sadness of another person upon themselves. Now, we see this in the life of Jesus, don't we? In John chapter 11, one of Jesus' best friends dies. Lazarus passes away. And Jesus steps into the sad situation. He goes to comfort uh, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. Now, we know that he's also going to do something else. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead as a foretaste of resurrection. But first, he goes to comfort. He steps into the sadness. Listen to what happens in this remarkable scene in John 11. Listen to this. It says, now when Mary came to where Jesus was. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary, the the sister of Lazarus. When she came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like if you had just gotten here sooner, Jesus, my brother would not have passed away. It says when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. When it says that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit there, it literally means he was moved to anger. He was indignant. It's a word that gets used of horses when horses are upset and they snort. That's what Jesus did. He was so overcome. He just, he groaned. 
He snorted with anger. You could hear the grief of the comforter. And Jesus said, Where have you laid Lazarus? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then this incredible verse, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's astounding. The all-powerful God of the universe started crying because he was so sad. He knew what he was about to do. He was about to solve the whole thing. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But that didn't take away his sadness, did it? Why is that? Because Mary was so sad. Martha was so sad. All the people around were staring at an empty chair where Lazarus should be, and they were, they were grieving. And so the comforter was grieving too. He stepped into their sadness. At Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation of the Son of God, which means God took on flesh. He took on real humanity. Meaning he experiences everything that it means to be human, including our sadness. The Bible calls him a man of sorrows. Says he was well acquainted with grief. This is the wonder of the incarnation. Being fully human, Jesus understands our sadness. He gets it because he's experienced it. He understands the deep groaning, the deep sighs that we have in us that just make us want to start crying. He's felt it because he's fully human. But being fully God, he has unlimited capacity to comfort us in his morning, in our morning. He can comfort the whole world. Isaiah says he, he came to comfort all who mourn. No one else has that power, that capacity. I get overwhelmed with just my own sadness. But Jesus can take on the sadness of the world and bring comfort. He steps into our sadness to identify with us and to comfort us. But he doesn't stop there, thankfully. Look at the second thing that Isaiah says. He not only steps into our sadness, he replaces our sadness. He replaces our sadness. It's the next promise we see in verse 3 of Isaiah 61. Let me read verse 3. It says, The Messiah came, in verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Did you hear the beautiful refrain that's repeated again and again, instead of, instead of, instead of? That ought to be music in your ears and in my ears. Instead of. Instead of ashes, he'll give us a beautiful headdress. Ashes were applied, you put ashes on your head to show that you were in mourning. If someone saw ashes on your head, they'd be like, that guy is really sad. That guy is grieving, because look at the ashes on his head. But Jesus says, no, I will take those ashes and I will give you a beautiful headdress, which was this ornamental turban that was, was worn by a bridegroom in those days, on the happiest day of his life, his wedding day. And if you saw that guy, you'd be like, that guy is happy. That guy is celebrating. Because look at that thing on his head. So Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus takes the sign of sadness on someone's head and replaces it with a sign of joy on their head. It's a one-to-one swap. 
One commentator said that Jesus applies his cure precisely to the point of need. Jesus knows exactly where we're sad. And he goes to work right there to bring joy. Isaiah continues, instead of mourning, Jesus gives us the oil of gladness. Being anointed with oil in the Bible is a sign of blessing. It's a sign of joy. It was poured on someone's head, but it began to run down their face, onto their collar, then down onto their robe. And pretty soon, the fragrance of the oil filled the whole room. And so Jesus takes the stench of sadness and he replaces it with the aroma of gladness. And then finally, Isaiah says that instead of a faint spirit, Jesus gives us a garment of praise. A faint spirit is like a candle that's it's, it's about to go out. The wick's about to burn out. We're so sad. We're, there's barely a flicker. Sadness in our life has made things, everything dim to us. Jesus actually replaces that, it says, with a garment of praise. This would be a, a, a full body wrap. It would be a robe. I mean, he robes us full body in praise, meaning our entire lives are now characterized by praise. In our sadness, we could barely offer up a whimper, but now in our gladness, we can shout out praises. Do you see what Isaiah is saying? Jesus came to replace our sadness comprehensively. Like it's a head-to-toe healing. From the headdress to the oil running down to the full body wrap, Jesus replaces our sadness. This is the wonderful switch or substitution or swap or exchange of the gospel. Jesus wore the crown of sorrow and sadness, the crown of thorns, so that we could wear the headdress of joy. Jesus was robed in a robe of mockery and shame so that we could be clothed in righteousness and praise. By his death and his resurrection, our joy is secured. One day, he will come to take away sadness altogether. He'll come to to, to make every sad story untrue, as J.R. Tolkien says in Lord of the Rings. Revelation 19 describes that day as a day as a wedding celebration. Listen to this from Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride, that's us, has made herself ready. She clothes herself with fine linen and bright and pure clothing. She's wrapped In this beautiful clothing, this clothing of praise and joy. What a joyous day that will be. And then Revelation 21 goes on to say, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The sadness of the world will finally be gone and it will be fully replaced by joy. Don't you long for that? That day has not yet come. It has not yet come. And so until that time... We need to know that Jesus is with us in our sadness. That's the last thing I want you to know. Jesus steps into your sadness. Jesus promises to replace your sadness with joy. But Jesus right now is with you in your sadness. That's the promise of Christmas. Emmanuel. God with us. So we can have comfort and joy right now because we have God with us right now. The sadness is not all gone. Yet, 
But we can have joy now because we have God now. And so a good question to ask yourself, even on Christmas Eve, is what makes you sad right now? Like, what's your empty chair? Some of you have lost a loved one or a friend. And their, listen, their absence in this season is heavier than the presence of everyone else. Some of you are looking at your life and you're thinking, it's not working out like I thought it would. Thought I'd be married by now. Thought I'd like my job better than I do. Thought I wouldn't have health problems. Some of you are just sad. Maybe all of us are just sad because of what's happened in the world just in 2017. Las Vegas, Charlottesville, Houston, the Syrian refugee crisis, political, divi- political division in our country like maybe never we've seen before, the Me Too movement, and all the sadness that that represents. Like there's an underlying sadness I think that we all feel because we know that not, the world is not like it's supposed to be. Listen, the promise of Christmas is that Jesus is with us in the sadness. Jesus said, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. What that means is we can cry out to him in our sadness. We can lament freely to him in our sadness because he's right here by his spirit and he, he gets it. Because he's been through it. He understands sadness. And he promises that one day the sadness will be taken away altogether and replaced with joy. But for now, sadness and joy exist together. Just like they did at that orchestra concert that night. There is an empty chair. It's like a punch in the gut. You feel it. But there's also beautiful music that fills the room. The music of the gospel fills the room with hope and joy. The music of the gospel assures us in our soul that Jesus came to bring joy to the world. Let's thank him that he stepped into the flesh to be with us. Let's thank him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.